Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined today with Alana to talk about the reality of rom-coms or romantic comedies. The conversation came about just talking about how rom-coms don't feel as realistic as they're played out to be. In the 90s, they were incredibly popular because of a singular formulaic storyline that guided people to really have thoughts about love, no matter how sugar-coated they were. And it got us to thinking about whether or not romantic comedies are real. So I'm going to share some thoughts about what you do and don't like about romantic comedies. Things that I enjoy about romantic comedies is that they're overall positive for the most part. And when we get to that point where someone doesn't show up or there's a miscommunication. You know that in about 20 minutes, they're going to like kiss in the rain or there's going to be a big marriage and it's going to be super fun. You know what you're getting. And it's pretty much a fun ride all the way through. And of course, it being a comedy, there's also laughter. It makes it, you know, you can watch it with just about anyone. Every little, 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 little steamy situation. Romantic comedies are so popular for the fact that they're feel-good movies at the end of the day, always. And I think that's really great. My issues with um, rom-coms are two things. Rom-coms structure themselves around the male gaze 99.9% of the time. It is very rare that we get a perspective from the women or the female gaze. Men are never taught how to cater to women. But women are always taught how to cater to men. And that's why on like Tinder, you'll see men holding up pic- pictures of fish that they caught rather than when women, you know, wear their best outfit and their best makeup to promote themselves on these platforms. In the male gaze lens, they often promote the idea that women can fix men and that their presence and their stereotypical womanness is enough to change a man who is probably just emotionally unavailable and probably really needs to go to therapy like long term and that's unrealistic it's not your job to raise a man rom-coms tend to be very heterosexual up until very recently and that's not a form that fits even for bisexual or pansexual people and then of course that excludes the comedy that you can create out of open relationships and things like that like it limits itself with them. even just looking at recently a film like Bros, two gay men, but they're white. That film would have been revolutionary in 2007 after Knocked Up, but in 2022 we would want to see Wilson Cruz and Coleman Domingo in those roles. Maybe Billy Eichner produced it because he has just enough power to get something like that produced. It streams not only heteronormative, but it's also from a white gaze. Very rarely did we see top comedies be about Black people, unless it's like the best man or something. I find rom-coms to just be cheesy. The whole you had me at hello, like what did his breath smell like to make you feel that way? And that's all he needed to say in order for you to love him. I watched the film, The Family Man. It's a film from 2000 where 
Nicholas, It's a Wonderful Life kind of storyline to it. And one of the things that I hate in movies is that a woman is going on a trip and she's gotten through security. She's at the boarding gate and this man is like rushing through the airport to finally profess his love to her. And she's standing there and the flight attendant is like, girl, are you going to get on this flight? And he's just like professing his love. And it's like, I wish a man would finally realize he loves me when I get through TSA. I wish a man would. And just these declarations of love can be very corny and very Hollywood and cinematic as opposed to being more grounded in reality. Give us something to aspire, but also something more realistic. But what I do appreciate about rom-coms is that it does give us a feeling as you said, Alana, feel good and of escape. And it's something that we get to watch for like an hour and 30 minutes. And there's probably no violence. It's going to be funny. It's going to be lighthearted. You kind of just talk at the screen or whatever. And you have your snacks. But, you know, just providing something to aspire and something for us to feel more realistic too. So with that said, what is your favorite to comedy? My favorite romantic comedy is The Incredible Jessica Jones. It is a Netflix film, and it stars a Black playwright who lives in Flatbush. Spoiler alert. In the movie, she regularly imagines her ex doing rom-com things, professing his love, things that we sort of want people to do after we break up, like, you know, kind of hang out around the house so they can catch a glimpse of us. But at the end of each of those segments, he gets, like, hit by a car and, like, a piano drops on top of him or something like that. Then at the end, she's having a conversation with her imaginary ex-boyfriend where she's sort of like, I just wanted you to like fight for me. So I told you to leave, but you didn't do that, which I thought was interesting. But she just got out of a breakup and she's doing odd jobs while also teaching kids. She keeps getting rejection letters from these playhouses that she like pins up on her wall. And her friend is like, hey... I know this guy who is just got divorced, if you would be interested in that interaction. And that's sort of how the romance starts. But what I love about the movie is that it portrays a Black woman. It is an interracial relationship, which is just not something that is as commonly seen. He's also English, and the whole movie is her knowing her self-worth so firmly and so confidently, but dealing with the fact that she's a little bit closed off. And he is also actively pursuing her the entire film while he's doing whatever he's doing with his marriage. He's sort of being down as well. But how they're coping with it is very realistic and they're also very self-aware of each other and of themselves. Like multiple times throughout the movie, they'll say some variation of like, I'm not ready to do the next step. Where in rom-com, typically people just keep it going despite all of the red flags for the sake of, I guess, movie. And it just felt very realistic. It felt like two slightly odd people really trying to navigate themselves before diving into this relationship. I did enjoy the fact that he is actively pursuing her. And there's no part in the movie where she feels the need to adjust herself for any reason to accommodate any of the people that she's dating throughout the movie. Like, the movie opens up with her on a date, and she's like, I'm dope as fuck. There's a super <laughs> quote with, like, gets up and leaves. And I just thought that was really great. And at 17, that meant a lot to me, like, as a movie. <laughs> so that's my favorite. And it's amazing how the 
age that you watch a film can be instrumental in how you view dating and your thoughts on it and how you may operate and realizing like, no, I need to operate more in the real world. And Jessica Williams also starred on the show Love Life with William Jackson Harper. That was a really great season and where a man has a perspective on his love life and sex and what he wants and what he desires, which I think is very rare, even though the male gaze is strong in most of film, we rarely get to see a man understand what he wants and what he desires and let alone a black man. So I recommend season two of Love Life, which is on HBO Max. And my favorite rom-com is Away We Go. It's a film that stars John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. They play a couple who find out that they're expecting a child and they go to various cities. They go to Phoenix, they go to Madison, Wisconsin, they go to Montreal, they go to Miami, and they figure out where they want to raise their child. They're reconnecting with loved ones. It's kind of like a Juno, but a little bit more cross-country. It has a good, sarcastic, dry comedy to it. And I love John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph as the leads of this film, along with Allison Janney and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Chris Messina is also in that film. And the ending of Away We Go is just one of the most stunning endings I've ever seen in a film. And I watch a lot of different movies, but it's just a stillness to it from watching them blossom and, and, and evolve as a couple and as people preparing to bring life into this world. So that is a film that I highly recommend. Yes, Away We Go. It's a film from 2009, but it would still hold up and it's quite stunning. With that, what would be other rom-coms that you love? My first one is Scott Pilgrim. This may be an odd selection, but it is almost a stereotypical rom-com. And then, of course, it turns into something else. But what I love about Scott Pilgrim is that there is a dude who is very much so leaning into the manic pixie girl idea of what he wants and is very much living in his male gaze and everyone acknowledges that and we have we have knives and we have ramona and ramona is of course a very strong woman lead very aware of herself very powerful and is making no effort to accommodate scott and his desires and his idea of what a woman should be at the end of the day when he comments on the fact that she changes her hair and she kind of brushes them off and she's like I do this so you're either with it or you're not and I really really enjoy that and the only time that sort of alters is at the very end like Gideon she basically saved herself despite Scott you know doing the big battle or whatever the real thing I'd like to point out about this movie is Knives Knives is the girl that Scott is dating at the beginning of the movie and she's in high school and she has overprojective parents and she's super innocent. And if Scott said jump, she would leave. She would do anything for this dude. And by the end of the movie, she is just as self-aware and just as confident in herself as Ramona and has this sort of persona that she doesn't need Scott and she's able to protect herself and fight, abuse herself as an equal and just knows her worth. And she did that outside of Scott. Like Scott wasn't, necessarily be the catalyst for her own self-discovery. So, Scott Pilgrim. Second, Silver Linings Playbook. Because 
there are two people who are not okay. The amazing thing about this movie is how well they communicate. And that's a big issue for a lot of people in a lot of relationships, platonic or not. It's just communication. And they're both very real about what's happening. They hold each other accountable for every single thing that happens. They're going to therapy. And it's funny. And I think it's an underrated rom-com about two people who are actively trying to get over their own things to form a, a real relationship. Bros, which we talked about earlier. And I mentioned bros because we have to acknowledge the reality of what the movie is. And yesterday, when I saw Black Panther, there was a trailer for a very similar movie that is literally almost line for line. The pitch is the same, but it's a Christmas holiday movie coming out soon. But clearly, the similarities have something to do with each other. We have to acknowledge that that opened a door where now we can expect that to happen, which is the point. And that's important. It just must be said. And then my last movie is Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which I think came out in 2006. Stars Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and their spies who are married to each other. And the main conflict is that they don't know they expect that the other is married to them for the sake of taking the other one out. What I enjoy so much about Mr. and Mrs. Smith is that they're equals. And that's the main conflict. The movie sort of uses stereotypical gender norms as a way of telling the story behind the front. It was really enjoyable. And I think it aged pretty nicely. I just watched it a few weeks ago. There, there may be one or two odd jokes in there. And it was... Really refreshing to see in rom-com where there really are two people head-to-head on every level. And they're just really falling in love, but in a very stubborn way. Amazing. Because you brought up Scott Pilgrim, I just want to talk about Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is a wonderful actress. I will bring up every opportunity I can to watch Birds of Prey. That was the Harley Quinn film starring Margot Robbie, and it's also on HBO Max, and it is a kick-ass film, very much female-empowered. So when you're done with rom-coms, watch that movie. So my four films, one of them is The Lovebirds. It's on Netflix, and it stars Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani, and they play a couple who recently broke up, but because they witnessed a murder, they have to work together to keep themselves from being found. And this was early in the pandemic, the film was released and it was perfect to release it on Netflix as something to watch at home. It wasn't a film that I would have watched in theaters, but watching it at home was the perfect experience. And it showed the power of at-home entertainment. I also loved when Issa Rae talked about having an intraracial relationship. So it's not just their races, but also religion and other factors that come into play when having a relationship. It's a funny film, a great pace to it, some action. And Issa and Kumail have such a great chemistry. I kind of wish they would do a sequel. So my next film is The Other Woman, and it stars Leslie Mann, Cameron Diaz, and Kate Upton. And Nicki Minaj is also in the film. But Leslie Mann's husband is having an affair with the, with the two other women, Cameron Diaz and Kate Upton's characters. And they all sort of band together to expose him. I like this romantic comedy because it's more about friendship than it is about revenge. 
There's more sisterhood that makes the film delightful and funny and just really seeing their camaraderie instead of like, oh, you cheated with my husband. I'm going to hurt you. It empowers friendship more than anything. And my next film is 500 Days of Summer with Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is one of my favorite actors. I just love that film for its simplicity and for Zoe Deschanel's character to be skeptical about love. But she's learning about love from this man who is pretty much a hopeless romantic. He does greeting cards as his career. So watching the two of them find this balance between each other during a certain frame of time is fantastic. Last one would be Been So Long that is on Netflix and it stars Michaela Cole. Don't ask me what the plot was, but I just remember how much I enjoyed it because there was a little bit of a musical to it. I'm not a musical person, but I appreciated the nuances of music and romance and Black love at the center of the story. So those are my four choices. My last question for you, Alana, is what would you love to see in a rom-com? I would want to see a queer interracial rom-com where the characters have healthy mental health and upbringings. It's not trauma. No one's going to bring up racism. And the movie is not going to be leaning on the fact that they're queer and of color. It's a genuine, fun, positive ride. And I want the dip to be something really stupid. Like, you watch this show without me after we said you're going to watch it together. I just want it to be, like, really fun. And that's what I want to see. That's beautiful. And yet feels like such a unicorn, but it's such a simple story of just people loving each other and you see their identities without them having to really talk about it. Um, it would be like a Bechdel test or a du- the DuVernay test where you have certain pillars where you get to see the character, but it still serves the story. Yeah, I agree. Just having more open understandings of relationships and communication It's not just for women to have someone to love them or to show society like, look, someone loves me, but to really have an open dynamic between people, among people, depending on if that is your relationship type, but just having something that's genuine without having to outright say who you are. You just get to be who you are. I would like to know what your ideal rom-com would be. I think just you have the conflict, but it's realistic and also kind of avoiding the enemies to lovers trope. I know people love that trope, but I find it so boring. It's like we spend an hour and 25 minutes with you all despising each other. And in the last five minutes of the film, you're like, oh, wait, we love each other. Let's kiss in the rain. At some point, realize that, yeah, you didn't like each other, but you do love each other. So you spend that time loving each other. There's this balance between the two of you. Just having some realism and something to aspire. That's what I want in my rom-coms. And so with that said, thank you for listening. And what are your ideas about 
romantic comedies. What are your favorite romantic comedies? If you're in the Mighty Networks group, feel free to share. But also you can find us on Instagram at Your Feminist Book Club. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube under Black Sacks, spelled B-L-K Sacks. Wonderful. Thank you, Alana, for your time today. Thanks for having me. Do you love food and feminism? Then you will love decorating your home and filling your wardrobe with merch from Overseasoned. This colorful culinary brand features clever and bold artwork with cheeky slogans like shuck the patriarchy and cabernet and equal pay. Shop t-shirts, aprons, kitchen towels, baby clothes, and more with these fun and empowering designs. Top sellers include Smashing My Food and the Patriarchy Baby Bib, Root for Women, Cozy Crew Neck, and the Culinary Goddess Apron. And if you're particularly fired up about the Supreme Court decision, and who isn't, the Ice Cream for Reproductive Justice design is going to be just what you want to rock on a t-shirt or tote bag. These pieces have become cult favorites in the food world with star TV chefs, home cooks, bakers, and foodies alike swearing by overseason merchandise. Nearly every product in the shop supports a nonprofit that's dedicated to bettering the lives of women, particularly those in marginalized communities. Not to mention that these pieces are highly functional as well as incredibly soft. And since overseason outfits infants to adults, it makes a great gift for anyone in your life and adds conversation starting flair to any ensemble. Go to overseason.com shop and use code FEMINIST to get 10% off of your order with Overseasoned. Are you searching for bookish gifts this holiday season? At Flypaper Products, we are a team of passionate book lovers who are committed to providing you with useful and unique literary and grammar gifts for the writer and reader in your life. Browse our online shop to find everything from bookmarks, barware, uniquely scented book-inspired soy candles, witty grammar pencil sets, high-quality herbal and black tea with clever literary titles, ceramic mugs to tote bags, and more. Each and every one of our products are proudly designed in beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan by book lovers and for book lovers. Let us help with your gift giving this holiday season and select one of our many curated box gift sets that are in stock and ready to ship or customize your own box. Our bookish gifts can be shipped to you or directly to the lucky recipient and make the perfect holiday gifts. We offer same-day order processing and shipping is always free for orders over $48. We are also happy to include a personalized gift note to complete the gift. Whether you're searching for the perfect present for the bibliophile in your life or looking to add to your own collection, our literary and grammar gifts for book lovers will put a smile on anyone's face. Use promo code HEROIN to get 25% off your first order and visit the website flypaperproducts.com today. That's code HEROIN to get 25% off, H-E-R-O-I-N-E, at the website flypaperproducts.com. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, red woman is a dangerous creature, creature.